This is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week we have a special treat for you as we interview the filmmakers behind three of the five nominees for Best Short Documentary at the 2022 Academy Awards to be held on March 27th. First, award-winning director and writer Jay Rosenblatt joins us to discuss his film, When We Were Bullies. A mind-boggling coincidence leads Jay to track down his fifth-grade class and fifth-grade teacher to examine their memory of and complicity in a bullying incident 50 years ago. We're then joined by Matt Ogens, award-winning producer and director of Audible, the tale of American football player Amory McKinstry Hall and his Maryland School for the Deaf teammates as they attempt to defend their winning streak while coming to terms with the tragic loss of a close friend and former teammate. Finally, Ben Proudfoot, who was also nominated last year in the Best Short Doc category, discusses his film The Queen of Basketball, the electrifying portrait of Lucy Harris, considered by many as the greatest woman basketball player of all time and the first and only woman officially drafted into the NBA. Stay tuned as we discuss these three great short docs. Hi, I'm Jay Rosenblatt. I'm the director of When We Were Bullies. Jay Rosenblatt, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? (sighs) Pretty harried. It's been (laughs) probably the busiest time in my life. I, I wonder why. I mean, the, the film is uh, When We Were Bullies, nominated for Best Short Doc at this year's Academy Awards, releasing on HBO at the end of the month, so quite a march for you. Uh, how does it feel to be nominated for an Oscar, Jay? Well, you know, it feels pretty amazing. Um, I've made a lot of films over a long period of time, so it's, um, it's amazing to be recognized uh, at this level. And especially by my peers, because to get nominated, it's the documentary branch that yeah. does the nominating. So it feels um, really, really good. Uh, we've had some members of that uh, branch on, so it's a quite a quite a group of uh, filmmakers that uh, pass judgment and uh, finalize the nominations. So, uh, so I assume you're going, right? I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I no, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. Okay. Uh, and what was, I mean, so for our audience, because uh, they haven't, most will have not seen it. Um, what is When We Were Bullies all about? If you don't mind, give us a, a, a short synopsis of, of the film. Well, sure. Um, you know, it's about a lot of things. I would say uh, it's obviously about bullying, specifically an episode that happened over 50 years ago when I was in fifth grade. It's also a film about memory. Uh, it's mm. also a film about complicity. It's also a film about mortality. Well, having seen it, I completely agree. I mean, has, but let me ask you, has this, is, has this memory really tortured you for over 50 years? Or maybe tortured is too strong a word, but has it really, it's over all these years, it's just you've been living with this memory of this incident that happened in fifth grade? Well, you're right. Tortured is way too strong a word. Um, and to be honest, for the first 25 years, I, I didn't think about this incident. It wasn't really in my consciousness. 
as far as I knew, but, and I explained this in when we were bullies, when I was making another film about 25, now almost 30 years ago, called The Smell of Burning Ants, I saw an image that uh, was a boy, it's from an old educational film. One boy was pushing another boy around in a playground and a third boy throws just a quick punch. It's, it's mm. like a split second, maybe three frames. I actually counted it. Mm. And uh, that brought me back to the fifth grade episode because I, 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 I felt like I was that third boy kind of involved, mm. but not the main bully, kind of a collaborator, which is what I called myself in that film. So that kind of gets into this whole complicity issue. And like you say, what does this say about the the power of of memory, especially as you explore it? Because we find things are a little more complex, maybe than than you remembered them or were led to believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I went back and I interviewed uh, as many of my fifth grade classmates as I could find, and I probably th- I would say three quarters of the class I was able to interview, almost twenty students. Um, and most of them didn't remember the incident or only had a vague memory. A few remembered some specific parts. One person who um, was a big part of the first film and this film, uh, Richard, he had a very um, detailed memory. And um, as he was telling me some of the things he remembered, most of it, not all of it, but most of it, I felt it in my body. So I felt like there was, it was true. Um, so, you know, the big continuum of who remembered and who didn't, uh, I will say everyone did remember the person that was bullied. Mm. Um, I don't think there was anyone that didn't remember him. Maybe one person wasn't sure, but, um, Mm. now the, the, the actual incident, I think is a very commonplace. It was then, Mm. I think it, it is now, um, you know, it wasn't, um, an extremely violent uh, incident, as far as I can tell. But, um, you know, these things, uh, picking on a weaker kid, seeing someone's vulnerability, I think that's something that um, is still happening, unfortunately. And as we know, it's happening on the world stage. Well, well, indeed. Um, I mean, you you mentioned your classmate, Richard. I mean, what are the chances of running into your classmate 30 years after the fact and then finding out that he's, I mean, not just someone from your old neighborhood or went to your school. I mean, literally was in your class, was part of this event. That was, that was, actually, that was the uh, impetus for starting the new film, because when, when that, let's call it coincidence, uh, happened, we could not believe it. Uh, you know, I went to see him because I was looking for a voiceover narrator. I didn't know who he was. I just had heard his voice in one of my students' films. I didn't want to use my own voice. He lived across the bay in Berkeley. And uh, when he looked at the script, he realized that from these uh, lines that talked about New York street games, mm. uh, stickball, punchball, slapball, these kind of aggressive sounding ball yeah. games. Um, he said, are you from New York? And I said, yeah, and where? Brooklyn, where? Sheepshead Bay. We both kept saying, yes, me too, me too. We knew we were the same age. And then at one point he says, who did you have for fifth grade? We knew we went to the same elementary school. 
I said, turn the page. And it said at the top of the page, in fifth grade. At that point, it was clear, like you said, Matthew, that um, we were both in the same class. Not only was he in my class, but he was part of this bullying incident. He remembered more of it than I did. And this bullying incident was the impetus, the catalyst for that film. So 25 to 30 years later, 3000 miles away, we are connecting around this. It was just mind boggling, no other word for it. And then what's it like to track down your old fifth grade teacher? And I have to say, so, I mean, spoiler alerts, but we won't, because I, especially with a short and especially the way this film evolves, I don't want to say too much uh, for people about, I mean, unless you're happy to discuss it in detail, but uh, but some of my favorite lines I've seen in a in a doc film in in recent years come from, from this scene. I mean, um, yeah, I think you ask her, what, is, would this make a good film? And she says, no, no one will watch it. It's, it's going to be tedious. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that was pure gold. When that yeah. came out of her mouth, I thought, oh, my God. First of all, I couldn't believe she was saying it. She was just so forthright, so blunt, so yeah. honest, yeah. Uh, which was refreshing. And then I, you know, just the fact that she was telling me, <laughs> I, thought, I, I just, I loved it. And <clears throat> I knew at that moment that it had to make it into the film. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Who, who would say something like that, really? I mean, What's that dynamic like? You, a sixty-something-year-old man talking to his old, to his ninety-something-year-old, but his old fifth-grade teacher. Is there still that <laughs> teacher-pupil dynamic at play? Well, there was that. <clears throat> if you remember in the film, when I get to her door, yeah, I say hi, Mrs. Bromberg. Yeah. <laughs> Forget the Mrs. Bromberg. Yeah. So then, you know, she gave me permission to call her. She, yeah. Her nickname was Bobby. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to call her Bobby. But, you know, I, I still had <clears throat> profound respect for her. She, I mean, she was, you know, when I was growing up, you respect your elders. and She certainly yeah. was an elder. And um, at the same time, you know, she was so delighted to just have the attention. So th- there, was, there was not really this power dynamic going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I felt like... I wouldn't say we were peers because she's of a different generation, but uh, it felt very comfortable. And she was very, very gracious, very warm. I know the whole thing of watching this, I do highly recommend it. It did have me, I found my old first grade teacher just through one Google search. So it's like, you know, it's all, it's almost, it's tempting. It's tempting fate is what it is. But uh, I mean, (laughs) without being, again, I don't want to spoil this, but so about the ending or anything, but maybe I can put it this way. Uh, has the original subject of the doc been in touch since this has come out? Uh, no, he has not. Okay. And, um, okay. You know, I, I, it is a bit of a spoiler alert. Um, and, and, you know, some people might find the ending anticlimactic. Uh, I think mm. it actually is uh, more surprising the way I end it, in, in a sense. And, and actually, I, I feel more comfortable with the way the I, film ends. Well, personally, just my own two cents. I love the way you ended it. I think it was, I wasn't expecting it, but it, I thought it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay, good luck. Um, big thanks to, to you and good luck. Congratulations again for, for being nominated and uh, wish you luck uh, on the 27th. Uh, so again, big thanks to Jay Rosenblatt. When we were bullies, 
nominated for Best Short Doc at this year's Academy Awards, releasing on HBO at the end of the month. Yes, my name is Matt Ogins. I'm the director of Audible, which is a short documentary that's currently nominated for an Academy Award. Matt Ogins, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's uh, the, f- the film, the short's Audible, nominated for Best Short Doc at this year's Academy Awards, currently streaming on Netflix, which is where I saw it. Matt, how does it feel to be nominated for an Oscar? Um, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little uh, introverted and don't love attention, which is why I'm behind the camera. Um, but I'm really grateful and I'm humble yeah. for the kids in my film, for Amari and, wow. and, and all the kids in my film in Maryland School for the Deaf and the deaf community. To me, that's what it's about. And so this nomination, yeah. to me, it represents uh, really inclusion and representation. All right. And uh, and you're going, I would I would have taken I'm going with my I'm bringing my mother. Well done. Excellent. Oh wow, she's going to be so well, she already is proud, I know. But yeah. uh, uh so uh for those of uh, our listeners who haven't had a chance to see it on Netflix, uh what is Audible all about? Maybe give us a synopsis. Yeah, it's a coming of age documentary um set in a high school that's all deaf and it's following Amari who's a senior in high school and his friends um, in a pretty pivotal moment in their lives. You know, for, for any of us uh, graduating high school, you know, mm-hmm. is, is one of those coming of age moments, um, I think compounded uh, for someone that's deaf, um, going out at least metaphorically and literally out into a, a larger hearing world. Mm. And how did you come across Amari and his teammates and classmates at the Maryland School for the Deaf? So I'm from Maryland, from D.C., Maryland, and I grew up about 30 minutes away from the school. Uh, And my best friend since I was about seven or eight years old is deaf. And so in a way, this was a a personal story for me in a way to connect and understand him more. Mm. And um, it took 12 years to get made, 12 years of a lot of doors being shut, of people thinking that there's not an audience for this. Um, Wow. And then I brought it to Netflix after 12 years of trying to get it made and they embraced it and understood it. And it was as confused as me as to why uh, they, people thought the world wasn't ready for it. Okay. Whereabouts in DC are you from? Northwest and then uh, born George Washington hospital. And then my folks okay. live in Potomac where I grew up and yep. still there. My family, my extended family is all over Maryland and D.C. Hmm. Uh, sisters there, everyone. Everyone but me. <laughs> I know. I lived there in the 90s, and my, my wife's from, was uh, not George Washington Hospital, but what is it? The, the other hospital everyone was born in in, in D.C. So, um, but what maybe you can tell us, what did the, what did the deaf, I mean, that's an amazing story, that you, just in, in that itself, this has been knocking around for, or the idea at least been knocking around for 12 years and then now Netflix is, is embraced it. Um, but what do, maybe you can give us a little more flavor too. What do the, what do deaf students have to go through to, to play football? It's quite a, it's, I mean, it's, it's quite uh, a challenge. I'd say what, I would, I would, I would literally say watch the film rather okay. than me explaining it. I think that's a, I, I completely, I think it's a fair agree. answer. No, I think that is more than a fair answer. Um, and then, I mean, so 
the story. So you didn't know. I mean, there's uh, there's all these other stories. It's like you say, it's coming of age. Yeah, look, then, I knew but, I was going to follow a senior. I knew it was at Maryland yeah. School for the Deaf. I knew I wanted to follow senior year through the lens of the football season. That I knew. Yeah. But obviously, I didn't know who the main subject would be because every year that person would graduate. So over those 12 years, every year, I basically had to find someone new. Um, yeah. And I'm glad it took that long because if it didn't, I wouldn't have met Amari. I wouldn't have met Jalen. Right. I wouldn't have met Lyra. I wouldn't have met yeah. Teddy through them. Right, right. And I mean, and how were, so, and how were, you know, it's, I, I have teenagers of my own. I mean, it's an, it's, it's an, an, a lovely age in many ways. It's an awkward age too. I mean, I mean, how was it trying to approach them about sharing their lives? Because they share intimate details. Of- Not very hard. I mean, like, I don't want to sit there and say this was harder because they're deaf, because it yeah. wasn't yeah. at all. Um, they had a story to tell. This is not my story. This is not an observational film of me looking in and shining a light. This is me being a conduit for them to tell their stories. That's why it's so up close and personal and why it's so immersive. It's Amari's story. We just created a safe space for him and his friends and his family to tell their story that hadn't been told. But certainly having a best friend who's deaf, being from the area, but showing up every year, you know, where even though I hadn't met Amari for the first several years of that, showing up every year, um, till I was kind of invited in and trusted uh, in um, is how. So once I had that trust, yeah. that extended to Amari, but still it's a process. You know, it's, yeah. I met him his junior year. It's, it's yeah. talking, it's empathizing, it's getting, it's connecting with someone before yeah. there's even cameras rolling. You must, I mean, you must be a legend around there i mean you must they must he was like they're the legends he's well though there i know no i could agree that but i mean uh you know there's a story that this guy shows up every year trying to make a film (laughs) probably you know i mean since i just did it i didn't think about it i didn't think about it it just that's what my heart said and why look i've done three four feature docs, something like that, and many yeah. other things in between, but I couldn't let go of this one. It was top of the list always. Yeah. And then, um, uh, you know, what is, I mean, and is, so when did Amari graduate? Let's see. Uh, he would have graduated June, May, June of 2020. Okay. So what is he, what is he up to these days? He is in Minnesota and his winter sport was wrestling. And so he's been pursuing uh, deaf Olympic wrestling um, and practicing to quali- qualify for that. Okay. Okay. Well, it's a, I mean, it is an amazing, um, uh, I think it's an amazing story that you're telling, they, they are telling. Uh, yeah. And, and, um, and it's extremely well captured. Thank and you so much. Uh, it's, um, it's exciting because you, you, like you said, they're telling a story, but you don't know, and you're not just a fly on the wall. You're not doing a, that kind of stuff. No, no. But you don't know what you're going to get, do you? You don't know if they're going to. I don't know who's winning or losing. Exactly. I don't know who's breaking up or staying together. I don't know what <laughs> relationships are going to happen. I have no control over that. What I can control is creating a safe space for them to be vulnerable and trust me and create a look and feel uh, 
without manipulating any authenticity. Yeah. yeah. And as you said, you've, you've made and produced a lot of uh, features. Um, what drew you to uh, a shorts in this, in this case? You know, I mean, it's a great question. I don't look at um, films by length. They're films to me, you know, whether it's a 30 second commercial or a four hour, mm. uh, you know, Doctor Tarantino series. film. Yeah. yeah. They're all storytelling and all wonderful. And I just don't categorize it by length because is a four hour film a feature anymore anyway? Um, yeah. So it's like whatever engages the audience and is the best format for that story. And I thought there was yeah. something we, meaning with Netflix, felt there was something interesting about focusing the story through the point of view of Amari and you meet everyone through him. You don't go off yeah. on tangents. So even you know, right. Jalen or Lyra or his dad or mom or Teddy mm -hmm. are all through his point of view. Um, yeah, that's that's very interesting. And I think uh, and it's Netflix. So, you know, let's face it. A lot of people have a stereotype. They think Netflix does docuseries and they do they do everything, know, but they do everything. And they worked and they were and they're in and they're storytellers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's whatever whatever it takes to get the story across. Yeah. And, and in, in an impactful way. Right. An impactful, that yeah. that uh, in some ways. I hope that the film's like an emotional call to action. You know, the, yeah. you know, people ask me, what did I learn? Uh, yeah. I'm a filmmaker and in this case, a doc filmmaker. So you would think I'm an expert at listening, but <laughs> we're all collectively deaf in our own way. And I'm not yeah. trying to compare it. I mean it yeah. symbolically. Yeah. And I, I learned to be a, even a better listener. Hmm. And what do you want people to learn from this film? That like, let's, let's, talk less and think less and assume less and uh, listen more and understand more. And listening doesn't just mean listening with your ears. You know, these mm. Amari's deaf. He can hear, you can feel, you can feel with your heart. Mm. Well, I think it's uh, I, I think it's an excellent film. Uh, obviously, it's been, it's been nominated, but I think it's uh, but even if it hadn't been, uh, I think it's uh, do recommend that everyone give it a watch. It's on Netflix now. I mean, what's next for you, Matt? I'm actually finishing up production on a new documentary I'm doing. I'm co-directing with a wonderful Nigerian filmmaker, um, and I can't say too much other than it has to do with dance. Dance. Okay. Is that not, uh, not not football? Not to, is this a is a bit of a departure for you, or have you done something like this before? No, I don't think it is because it's always human stories for me. And so, yeah. if the vehicle is is football or dance or anything, I like character driven stories that say something you know that has universal human themes. Okay. Well, that's certainly what you get with Audible. So, thank you so much. Uh, big thank thanks to Matt. Me. Well, no, it was our pleasure. Uh, big thanks to Matt Ogans. The film's Audible, nominated for Best Short Doc at this year's Academy Awards, streaming on Netflix. Good luck on the 27th, and congratulations again. If you enjoy Factual America, check out the Movie Maker podcast. That's all one word, Movie Maker. Where our friends at MovieMaker.com interview everyone from filmmakers just breaking in to A-listers like David Fincher and Edgar Wright about their movie-making secrets and behind-the-scenes tricks of the trade. 
They go deep and let the guests speak uninterrupted to get you the most film insight. Now back to Factual America. My name is Ben Proudfoot, and I'm the director of the short documentary, The Queen of Basketball. Ben Proudfoot, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Things are good. How are you? Yeah, they're, they're, they're great. Uh, how does it feel to be nominated for an Oscar for the second time in a row? <laughs> it is, uh, you know, it's something I could get used to, <laughs> but yes. it's not something that I am used to. Um, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing feeling. It's an incredible honor. Yeah. Um, in this category, right, is it's, I'm really a representative of our entire um, film and, and more importantly of, of Ms. Harris and, and her story. So uh, I, I'm super excited that this, this story has been lifted up by the, the documentary branch this year. Okay. Well, speaking of which, because uh, most of our listeners or our viewers probably haven't had a chance to see this. Uh, what is the Queen of Basketball all about? Maybe give us a synopsis. Yes. Well, there's no excuse not to watch The Queen of Basketball. It's available for free on YouTube. Indeed. There's no, no paywall. So I would encourage everybody to just go watch it. But to tease the movie, it is about the greatest athlete of the 20th century that you've never heard of. Her name is Lucy Harris, and she's one of the pioneers of basketball in, in the United States. She was an amazing human being. Uh, in addition to being just a dominant force on the court, she was the first and only woman officially drafted into the NBA. She uh, led her small Mississippi Delta team to three national championships. She was the first woman to score a basket in Olympics history, the first woman, the first woman of color enshrined in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And yet, you know, I, I bet you probably hadn't heard the name Lucy Harris. Um, and so that's what our film is trying to do is close that gap. And, and that's what I was going to ask you. Why haven't we heard of Lucy Harris before this? Well, there's a lot of factors. Um, yeah. I, think, I think that women's basketball and women's sports and, and frankly, women in general have not been uh, recognized um, in proportion to, to their accomplishments and their achievements for the entirety of human history, but in particular, um, the difference is stark uh, in athlete in athletics. Um, I also think one another factor is you know Lucy Harris was a was an African American woman, mm. um, you know, born in the 1950s in the Mississippi Delta, and um, you know that's not Mississippi at that time was not a, a place that was ready to celebrate Lucy's achievements in the way that she deserved or remember her in the way that she deserved. If anything, you know, it was only a few years since, um, you know, the, it, it was illegal for Lucy yeah. to go to Delta State University. So I think she, her story sits at the intersection of, um, you know, both in, in her identity as a woman and also as an African-American woman um, that really prevented her story from being celebrated for the past 45 years. Yeah. And how did you come across this story? Because uh, you're not from the American South, not from Mississippi. I, don't think. I think you're from Canada originally. Yes, I mean, uh... I'm. I'm not from Mississippi. <laughs> I was. I was not a basketball fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm just a. I'm. I'm just a filmmaker. Um, yeah. 
and 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 I love I love great stories and I love great storytellers and 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 most importantly I love using the short documentary format um, mm. to circumvent the traditional uh, gatekeepers of what kind of story gets stories get told and yeah. disintermediate the the whole kind of um, commercial process that dictates what kind of stories we see so. When I, when I heard about Lucy's story, which was recommended uh, to me by my colleague, Haley Watson, and I read, you know, this list mm. of superlative achievements and saw that there was no film and there were, it wasn't even, I couldn't even find film of her playing. That's right. Her, her, her name was often misspelled. I mean, I, I felt as though there was a shameful and disrespectful gap between her accomplishments and you know how well her story had been told and covered and you know as soon as i met lucy and talked to her and she was so interested in working together on this it just became my mission and then everybody else on our team's mission to get this story out there well, i was going to ask you about that i mean working with with lucy i mean she's uh what a, a i love the intro love how the film starts and uh but she's she obviously comes off as a very strong but humble person. She's had her own trials and travails. I mean, what was it? you said she was open to this, but, uh, you know, that, that uh, uh, I mean, she's pr- partly that's maybe the reason she isn't as well known, partly, is that she herself has kind of kept a low low profile, I guess. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, I mean, what, you know, she is this amazing person, this amazing person that comes across the camera. Her, she, her charisma is, is amazing. And how did you, uh, I mean, I, that obviously is natural to her, but how did you get, how did you capture that? Yeah, I mean, she's, she's not a, she's not a huge self-promoter, but I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that she's kept, she kept a low profile. Yeah. Um. She, you know, I, I think, I think... I think Lucy, um, she just wasn't boastful. Yeah. You know, she didn't, not a, not a hubristic uh, bone mm. in, in her body. She was, she was um, humble. She saw her talent as a gift. Yeah. Um, and she was gifted. Um, mm. She was quick to um, talk about other players who were, were mm. just as good or better than her. Uh, in other words, she was a good person. Um, right. She right. was a humble person. She is somebody that you'd yeah. want to have, you know, be be friends with, be neighbors with, um, yeah. etc. And um, that that characterized her just as much as being one of the most dominant athletes of the 20th century. But getting to meet her and and working together on this film, that's what came across to me. And I wanted to make sure that the film captured her her unique personality uh, as well as her accomplishments on the court. Yeah, and I think you've done that. I mean, you've got all this great archive, and but I think what I mean sells it for me is just those those close shots you have of her ta- looking to to camera and 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 talking about her experiences. Is uh, um, she seems like you said someone you'd want to be friends with, neighbors with. She seems to be in a good place. Yeah, you know, a- after all that she had been through. Yeah. Um, you know, she she made decisions in her life in accordance with her values and her integrity and and what she thought was the right thing to do. And when you do that, you may not have all the money or fame in the world, but you can sleep soundly at night. Uh, and that she did. Yeah. 
And you know, this is you're saying you like making these, you like making shorts for various reasons. Is that what's? Is that? Are you going to be exclusively making shorts as far as as as, as far as you see things, or are you? Uh, you tempted by doing a feature or does it really it's not how you look at it it's it's more about how to get this the what's what's the right way of getting a story across well I, you know i'm 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 very independent yeah. person i'm also an impatient person and i'm also someone that's very focused on on the audience and and my films reaching as many people as possible yeah and short documentary just wins in all those categories right yeah. because because it's a different sort of commercial world, like just the whole um, the whole machine of raising money and pitching and spending mm. 10 years making a movie is just like too darn slow yeah, and, yeah. and not related to making what? movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is what I wanna do. And it's like, I wanna be in the kitchen. I, I'm, a, I'm a chef, I wanna yeah. be in the kitchen. I don't wanna be, I don't want to be talking about, you know, um, whether, you know, what, what kind of, of uh, you know, building should we put the restaurant in, you know, what, yeah. you know, can we raise the money? Does the, does the, does these folks think it's a good idea for a restaurant? What, what price yeah. point should we set the yeah. thing? It's, I'd rather spend my time on earth telling yeah. stories. There's, there's too many uh, not yeah. to. And short documentary allows me to do that because I can pay for these films myself. And how, so, uh, how do you keep the light bill? How do you keep we the make, lights? We on? make we make short documentaries for brands, right? So uh, our right, company, right. Breakwater Studios, we, you know, in our world of short documentaries, we we also make films um, for brands, sponsored by brands, funded by brands. Um, kind of like it's its own kind of television economy where. Brands mm -hmm. are um, commissioning short documentaries that align with who they are as a company, what their values are, and and we make those films and tell those stories, and that mm -hmm. allows us the success mm -hmm. to greenlight our own independent projects like The Queen of Basketball. And have you seen that? Is that I mean, not to get on a business conversation, but have you seen that pick up? I mean, is that something that's been evolving recent in recent years? And I imagine you've got plenty of demand for your for your services it's a it's an enormous business i mean we can all we can always take on more but yeah. you know not to get too businessy but basically yeah. you know television traditional 30 and 60 second television commercials are as we're seeing by the oscars making interesting decisions about how to get mm. its viewership up tell you know that's that's what's happening right yeah. is is revenue that can be generated by television commercials is reflecting the fact that not as many people are being reached by television commercials. Yeah. And so these brands, which need to reach people, which need to have a seat at the table of the attention economy, um, you know, have to reach people somehow. And so that money that used to go to producing television commercials or, you know, traditional agency style storytelling isn't right. working anymore. And so they're looking for other ways to do it. And they're coming to filmmakers like me and, and others, you know, there are, there are other, you know, mm. Matt Ogans uh, who directed audible. He's a very accomplished um, branded content and commercial director too. A lot of us um, have a foot in this world and that's how we keep the lights on. Well, we had uh, Matt on just, just a few minutes ago. So uh, yeah. yeah, no, it, it, it well, I'm glad that's working for you. And it's not like, 
in many ways, this isn't all that novel. The Maisel's brothers were doing the same thing. They made commercials and things. Yeah, too. you know, Errol Morris. Errol, they all, yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta pay the bills. I mean, the the the, the funny thing is, right, is is that is the illusion that you know a publicly traded company like Netflix ha- has any difference. Uh, than one of the brands that we work for. All of those companies right. have a fiduciary duty to make as much money as they can. Um, yeah. That's the that's the purpose of a public company. And so I don't see a difference making a film for Netflix than I do making a film for Charles Schwab. Yeah. And so what's next for you? Do you have in terms of a, a, a another short doc or, or today subject? or in in my life <laughs> in in your life exactly yeah I don't know how many you make you you, you I'm sure you're prolific but uh, yeah we no what, what what are some of the stories you're you're chasing after now I mean I'm very focused on the Queen of Basketball there's a lot more to be done yeah. I mean this awards campaign okay. has been really exciting and a great way to to bring you know the awareness around Lucy's story to another level but there's more to be done there. Um, more recognition to be cemented for her that will continue long yeah. beyond Sunday the 27th. Um, and I also think it would be a great uh, story to turn into a narrative feature film. So working on that, um, we, we, I'm about to release a film that we made uh, with UNICEF uh, okay. called If You Have about the 75 year history of that organization, which is amazing. Mm. And in particular, their role in rolling out the, the COVID vaccine to 2 billion people who need it around the world. Oh, excellent. Very good. And I think that's uh, that's very encouraging about uh, keeping Lucy's story uh, uh, going. I mean, I think it's, uh, as we were talking, I mean, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm of an age, I remember, I mean, it's uh, it says a lot about what was going on in our society, because uh, uh, one of her contemporaries, who was also on that Olympic team, was Ann Myers, and she is who I remember. I didn't, I didn't know anything about Lucy. Uh, be- Harris before the, before seeing your film, and I think that's uh, that just says a lot about what was going on uh, f- forty to fifty years ago. So, yeah, and it's it's still going on today. You know, yeah. I think we got to look. I, I think the major point is whatever we all accept. You mm. know, I, I think there's this there's this unfortunate idea that history is some kind of meritocracy. Right. Mm. And, and if and if you know about it, it's because it's worth knowing about. And if you don't, it's because you don't. Mm. And I think people in America and around the world are starting to realize, you know, as social media has made people much more mm. Mm. Uh, cognizant of storytelling and how things are mm. spun, that what we accept as history yeah. may not be what happened, yes. you know. Yeah. Um, and that's what Lucy's story and that's what the Queen of Basketball really underlines is. Who, who is this person? Who is this person who laid the foundation for women's basketball yeah. that you've never been told about? It's not that she doesn't exist. You just don't know the yeah. story yet. No, I think it's one of the great things about our, uh, about the industry these days. I think, and I watch a lot of, a lot of docs, but even if we're talking about events that people know about, it's getting new perspectives on them and, uh, and different pe- different people from different backgrounds telling those stories. So, um, so thanks again for, uh, for joining us, uh, Ben, it's been a uh, it's been great to have you on. Uh, wish you good luck on the twenty seventh, and congratulations again for your for your nomination. And uh, keep these keep these uh, shorts coming. We'd love to have you on again uh, to remind our listeners and viewers we've been talking about the Queen of Basketball, nominated for Best Short Doc 
at this year's Academy Awards and watch it. It's on YouTube. You just have to Google the Queen of Basketball for free. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's not even one of those YouTube ones where you end up having to pay. Not at all. So, uh, well done. Thank you again, uh, Ben. It's been great to have you on and uh, uh, best of luck. Thank you so much, Matthew. I'd like to give a shout out to Sam and Joe Graves at Intersound Audio in Eskrick, England in deepest, darkest Yorkshire. A big thanks to Nevin Apanovich, podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show. And finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas. You can reach out to us on YouTube, social media, or directly by going to our website, www.factualamerica.com and clicking on the Get In Touch link. And as always, please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.